Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to State Street. On today's episode, we discuss flexing the brain and the body. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. We are so glad that you turned that right blinker on to turn on today because we got a lot of fun stuff. But as always, Nick Kleitsch, the co-host, the voice with me are my noble steeds, Jeremy and Cole. <laughs> I, how you doing tonight, guys? We're good. It's, uh, it's been a beautiful day. I actually got outside and enjoyed the, the nice, warm 55 degrees that Minnesota had to offer me. Hey, congratulations, too. That was the best introduction that you've done yet. So kudos to you and kudos to us because we're just rolling, baby, right now. That we was, are that was so good. Well, thank you. I appreciate the positive encouragement. Um, it's been fun. And I, I think real quick before we get into the good stuff here, we've started to gain a little bit of momentum with this thing just in terms of conversation. Absolutely. Dude, we are slowly but steadily becoming a real podcast. I don't know if we'll ever actually become a real podcast, but we're going to get damn close. I love that. Yeah. Because why not? Why not go for it, try it out, and again, it kind of came out of a beautiful but crazy time in the quarantine period, but today we get into just working out. The grind! The grind! (laughs) Gotta get it! Where's that pre-workout? Oh, goodness. It's gonna be a good one, dude. The blood's gonna be pumping for this conversation. Like, all three of us worked out, some of us better than others, Jeremy, but, dude, like, all three of us, like days we lifted, like maybe getting to the weight room, especially at 6 a.m. in the morning was a tall task. But once you get there, the juices get flowing, the weight, the iron gets moving and whoo, there's nothing better than a good workout with your boys. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's just get into it. Cause I know we weren't necessarily talking about time of day. We work out or favor that time of day, if we could work out, but wh- why not? When do you, if you had the preference, when would you optimally work out? If you, if job didn't matter. I'm a morning lifter. So I'm like, I'm just a morning person by trade. I think I try to get as much done in the morning and leave the rest of my day open. So like literally if I could do, if I could work an eight hour day in the first two hours, I wake up in the morning, I would, I would, I would get up, I would work out. I would go about like my eight hour day in the first two hours of the day. And I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I would do everything in my power, like to get everything in my day done in the morning. Yeah, so I am the uh, the complete opposite of Cole, where I absolutely hated, I can't emphasize enough, hated morning workouts. No amount of pre-workout could amp me up. No amount of sleep could make me feel less sleep deprived. It's, you know, just something a lot of people, I sh- yeah, a lot of people, I guess, just can't or can't or don't want to do. And I was... I was in the select uh, select few that on the baseball team that was just really bad at morning workouts, and I mean I, it just doesn't help that I had uh, <laughs> bad hips, very I was very immobile, very unflexible. So I feel I'm most ready to go to work out at about four o'clock in the afternoon, three four o'clock in the afternoon, right after I get done working. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, I feel more ready to go in the weight room around three, four or five o'clock than 6am in the morning. Thanks for that, Jeremy. I appreciate that full description of everything besides <laughs> what time you usually work out. I said three, four, five o'clock. 
Uh, Dude, that must suck. Later. That must suck when you're on a baseball team where your head coach is absolutely adamant about everything being done in the morning. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, everything we did was five a.m. <laughs> five a.m. every day. So you know, you well, gotta, you so gotta roll with the punches. That's okay though. So I, I see your point to an extent because I don't think having developing adolescent adults waking up at that time is necessarily the best and most effective strategy. However, I also realize that with schoolwork and practice and all the other stuff, you got to get in at some point, um, regardless. But yeah, because like, I have now over time become a morning person. I enjoyed mornings, but if I had my preference, it would be like three o'clock. Three thirty would be the prime time for me to go in and work out because you get the two meals in at breakfast and lunch, then the pre workout, and you're just feeling juiced up, ready to go. But in a college setting, when you're training athletes and stuff like that, it's it's not possible with class and everything else. So I I actually hated morning workouts so much. I actually started researching why it's detrimental to work out in the mornings as an athlete. I tried to state my case to our uh, our head coach, and to no avail. It did not work out. Wait, did you you did that for real? Yeah, I I was like, here's here's my points why it's detrimental to us. Um, is there any way we can possibly move a six a.m. weightlifting on Wednesday back to like three o'clock, like we do every other day, instead of six a.m. practice Monday, Tuesday, six a.m. lift Wednesday, six a.m. practice Friday, Saturday? Just give us like a a, a nice little break on Wednesday. So I think he, I think he appreciated the suggestion, but I think overall he's probably like, I'm, I'm the head yeah. coach. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys when I want you to show up and you're going to show up if you want to play. I mean, that's just kind of how it works in college, but, uh, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. Now being out of school, it's, it's easier to work up or wake, blah, 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 I'm sorry, work out in the morning. Uh, if I had my preference, so it would be in the, in the afternoon, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just such an interesting fact of how you're an athlete at once. Um, and Cole, talk a little bit about college athletics. And I think you, I, I only say this to bring it up because I think you have a good point or, or good reason why you did what you did with college athletics. So yeah, so the whole reason I did college athletics was basically I knew at a very early age, like I wasn't going to go pro. I was not spectacular at anything athletically I did, but I was good enough to be there which is cool in itself. But I knew that college sports was going to do a number of things for me that was going to benefit me down down the road. One of those being it was going to set me up just with like healthy lifestyle habits. Uh, those things being obviously working out for an hour, two hours, like whatever it is, eating right, making sure I was getting enough sleep at night, making sure I was giving my body adequate time to rest after like an intense workout or in you know, the college athletics case, a game or like, you know, an intense practice. Uh, so th- that was the reason I did college sports. It wasn't because I thought I was going to go pro obviously like every kid dreams of that, but realistically I knew this is going to set me up better so that as I live my life, I am comfortable getting up and working out in the morning or after work, whatever the case is. I am comfortable, or I, I do enjoy eating healthy food. I do know how to get adequate sleep, you know, so that I stay healthy, I don't get sick, that I have a lot of energy throughout the day, those sort of things. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I see that and I respect it because I didn't have that mindset at all. 
I, I didn't I didn't have that. So it really I found that attractive and interesting when you had mentioned that was the causation of actually doing the college athletics. I mean, obviously playing sports with your friends is never a bad thing. That's gonna be fun always. Right. And yeah, and so like like I said, the reason I played college sports was a number of things. You know, the healthy lifestyle. Obviously you make awesome connections. Us three are doing a podcast. Perfect example. Like we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't know each other. Uh, but yeah, like healthy lifestyle connections, a number of things, dude. That's why you play college sports, not just to go pro. Right. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. So, so Jer, how much do you think of what we did translated into what you're doing now? If at all, if a lot. So actually, um, I think you guys remember our old strength coach when Nick was there, I actually follow his workout plans basically every day. And I'm doing all oh, really? Of, yeah, I so I remember he sent us out an email for um, packet over the summer and it included the whole year's worth of workouts. So now I just modify those workouts to fit what I um, need, basically what I'm lacking. And then I, you know, just create a workout based off his old plans. Obviously, it's a little hard to do that now where we're doing more body weight stuff. But, you know, in a, in a normal setting, I'm doing a, a very similar workout to what we did your senior year. So I was going to ask you guys, and Jeremy, you specifically, but I'll ask Nick just because, Nick, I know you're working out. How are you guys quarantining your workouts during all of this? So for me, it's, it's been a lot of like baseball stuff, actually, just because I, I know how to do it. And like I said earlier, I actually got the driveline balls, and I started doing their workouts, and I've, I've been trying those out. And then I actually have came up with some plans to make a, a concrete weight room. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and buy some concrete, make some concrete um, weights, and I'm going to go out and uh, build myself a makeshift barbell, and we're going to see how this goes. So if anyone, uh, anyone wants some plans for the concrete kingdom, hit me up and we'll, uh, we'll get you set up with a, a concrete gym. So not to, uh, so, so I guess I'm just, I'm just curious with the concrete jungle. Is that something like you're building in your house or, or what's the setup going to be like on that end? Just touch on that briefly. And then I want to get to Nick. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy the, um, there's like molds for concrete, um, concrete pillars. I'm going to go out and buy a bunch of those. I'm going to cut them to size. I'm going to mix up the concrete at my house. Um, quickcrete that I buy from our local hardware store. I'm gonna pour the concrete in those molds, and I got the like the size dimensions already laid out to uh, to determine what I need for like a 45 pound plate, a uh, 25 pound plate, and everything. Um, put a hole in the middle of them. Uh, put my makeshift, put them on my makeshift barbell, and uh, you know, let her fly. So my question is to you, Jer, and I love the fact that you're doing this. Trust me, I'm all for creative projects. I just built a bookshelf not too long ago. I think a lot of people are doing these random fun construction things in quarantine. But my question is why now? Because I'm pretty sure we're going to get out of this quarantine in like the next 30 days. So like, why don't you do it right away, guy? So my initial thought when this first started happening is like, well, it's only going to be a month. But here in Minnesota, we're, we're taking a much slower approach and gyms, it sounds like are going to be the last thing to open up in Minnesota. So I don't want to be stuck doing bodyweight workouts for the next two, three months. I don't think I can handle it. I, I go crazy. I get, I get extremely bored doing pushups 30 minutes or for 20 minutes a day and then doing accessory lifts with 25 pound dumbbells. I, I just find no joy in that. So I, I want to be able to like get back to a little, get back to normalcy, you know? 
So, you know, I was thinking about that today and I was thinking, you know, why is it taking so long for gyms to open specifically? Because I'm like, man, I am dying to just get like a really good, like hardcore workout in where I like, I tune in, you know, it's an hour and a half, two hours of just like sweat and like moving iron. And the thought came across my mind. Maybe a lot of people are like this. Maybe they're not. Maybe you guys can tell me if you're like this. What's the first thing you want to do when you feel sick? Sleep. Lay in bed. Okay. Because the first thing I want to do when I start getting sick is sweat. I want to try to sweat out as much like sickness and like whatever else like you're sweating out. The gunk. The gunk. I want to sweat out the gunk as quick as I can and then like rehydrate, refuel, like get electrolytes, like all the Gatorade, all that shit in. And so the first place I go when I'm feeling sick is the gym. And so when I thought about that today, I was like, I had an oh shit moment. And I was like, that (laughs) is why. Because dude, think about how infested those like steam rooms and the saunas would be if people are just in there trying to sweat out COVID. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's disgusting. That's a hot tub of disease right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's any amount of staff, like any weight room or gym could hire right now. That would be able to do like enough sanitizing to like be up to code with uh, government regulations. Yeah, it's wild. Well, and that's why I don't know if you guys have, have ever seen a wrestling practice and or um, been up there when they're done. They have to wipe it down so much every day because that's just skin and sweat and blood and all of this nasty, just like 23 guys. And I'm not just dissing on wrestling, I'm just using it as an example. But like all that gets caught in the mat. And so they have to do that twice a day, probably before or end, similar to, I don't know if that steam room or that sauna gets cycled out. How often does that get cycled out with whatever quote unquote, like water or products they use? Oh yeah, probably not often. And you even actually said, you mentioned it very briefly about the hot tubs and like the pools, dude, that's that like disease and all that stuff just lives in there, man. So we have a hot tub at my house and first off it's, oh, what an investment. But secondly. So we have five in our family, I would say activity usage of one, one time or maybe two times a day, depending on which family member is using it. And so we have to put in chlorine twice a day just to keep our own family hot tub clean and smelling well. That's five people for a hot tub and we have to do that twice a day. So unless those places are doing it like every three hours, like I would be shocked, but also disgusted. So Nick, then, then I do, I do want to flip the script here and ask you the same question. Um, as far as like quarantining your workouts, obviously like you're up in, you're up in Northeast Iowa. So you're, you're not as, you know, there's not as, it's not as populated. It's not, you know, there's not as many, it's not the density of people isn't as great. So what are you doing, if anything at all, really to keep the grind, grow the, the, grow the body, get shredded kind of during, during the quarantine? So I, I love living in small town Iowa for this particular thing. I actually don't enjoy a lot of people. I like voluntarily going into a lot of people and then coming back out because we're out in the boonies out here. And so my friend actually has an entire weight room-ish thing up in his, his loft. And so I've been going over there very frequently and almost have come out stronger than if I were normally working out. Um, so I, I break the rules a little bit. but. Um, I don't say this in a way that's, I guess, cocky or anything like that, but like this would never have, 
I would never not go work out somewhere. And I have a couple of friends that we have a very high standard for ourselves in that, in that sense. And so like we were, he owns a gym in even smaller town, Iowa. And so there were a couple of times where we were, I wouldn't call it breaking and entering, but we'd basically go in there during all the lockdown at like nine at night and, and work out. Like that is just something for me. I have to do it. Otherwise I don't function properly. And, and that can be a curse, but that's just the, to the point where I've, I've gotten. Well, it's a non-negotiable and that's a, that's, that's definitely a good thing. And that's, you know, to, to really dive deep into this, that's the whole reason we're talking about this is because, you know, in the defining decade, Dr. Meg J talks about how your twenties are super, super critical to your adult development. And, you know, you hear that like five-year-olds, you know, their brains are growing. That's when you really develop like core values, ethics. That's really when you develop who you are as, you know, a little child or as a baby, you know, but you get into your twenties and that's where your adult development begins. And that's where your brain and your body really begins to change from the teenager that you were, or like the young man or woman into obviously a professional and, you know, the man or woman that you're, you're ultimately going to become. This is, this is such a crazy, crazy fact to me is that out of post high school athletics and or college, you have this great foundation to work off of because you've just gotten quote unquote in shape for a certain sport. And then you come out and now more than ever is the time for you to develop muscle as if you could never before. And there, I find there's two purposes. First, you don't necessarily have to follow as many regulations as we did in the NCAA. I'm not saying supplements are great, like take all your supplements, but there are things that can make you feel very good that probably would be ruled out by the NCAA. And that's because the NCAA is very strict on, on that for rightful causes. But secondly, you can just customate that or customize, excuse me, what you're doing. Like you don't have to follow what coach says. I mean, is that useful? A hundred percent. Like Jeremy, like you said, you have a couple of workouts from him or a lot, uh, a year's worth, <laughs> but you can, you can use that as a, as a nice format or template. And, and really you can turn it into whatever you want because there is no coach on you or there is no one that's pushing you, which I understand that some people do need the, the pushing that that's why they go to, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. Yeah, um, not gonna lie, I was super excited that I could like literally bench, like I like hardly ever get to bench as a pitcher, and now I could go out and I could like do like my own workout, and it just I was like, wow, this is this is like a brand new workout to me, and I I probably overdid it a little bit, but you know, I hadn't been able to do it for two mo- two years just because you know, pitching. It's, it's more, yeah, sorry not to, to go crazy with it, but just that, that ability to have that to your own degree, to have that by your own design. It, to me, I welcome that so much more than having to do something else from someone. But at the time of obviously training for sports, you want a, a strength coach. <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> why you're using it. But now it's just very, very fun to be able to to design your workout or at least to what I like. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cole. Well, so I was just going to say I am definitely one who I don't necessarily need a strength coach or I don't need like a workout buddy, but I do personally when I walk into a weight room or I walk into a gym, I like to have a plan in place. I like the structure. And so that is something I will say you guys I have missed about not, you know, obviously being an athlete or being a retired athlete, whatever you want to call it. I miss like the structured workout because I love 
walking into a weight room, walking in to do a workout, whether you're running, whether you're lifting weights, whether you're doing sprints, agility, whatever kind of workout you do, I love having that structure, like that plan, that focus. And that's when I really like, I'm able to, to lock in, understand what we're doing, understand what I'm doing personally, what I'm trying to accomplish, knock it out for 30, you know, an hour, 30 minutes, whatever, you know, whatever the time frame ends up being. Um, but that, that is, I got to say, that is one thing I miss. I'm not one to just walk into a weight room, no plan, and just like hit the bench, hit the squat, like hit curls, do whatever. Are you guys like that at all? So the reason, the reason I um, wanted to, to bring this up too, I, I don't know. See, this is what's cool. For me, I don't personally need that, but I have a friend of mine. This is a great story. Friend of mine, great friend in high school, one of my best friends still to this day. And he, he went through a relationship, didn't make great choices, came out of that relationship, and he found himself 20 pounds overweight. And so he had two options there. He could either A, continue to lull and, and make that 20, 40, 40, 60, or he could shave that 20 and get down to feeling a little bit more comfortable. Okay, so he did that kind of privately. He didn't like everyone knowing that he was doing that. Um, and then asked him to work out. So he's one of my workout partners for what I'm doing uh, in this quote unquote quarantine program is what we're calling it. And he's starting to get some of that strength and some of that stuff back. And he's like revitalized. But where I'm going with this is that he is a guy just like yourself. He vibes so strongly with others around him with pace, with encouragement, and just with that, like that whole, um, I guess environment is the only word to use there, but truly that, that does bring his level up as well. So I'm going to stop you right there just because I don't necessarily like people around me. Obviously, like when we were working out in college, like you're with, you know, three, four people at a rack, whatever. And you were my workout partner, Nick. So you and I dominated during that. I do remember. Um, Looking right. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm at a gym, you know, just like nowadays, I, re- I really don't like, you know, a workout buddy. I don't like having people with me. I like to be able to walk up to a squat rack, walk up to, you know, a dumbbells do like whatever workout I'm doing walk up to that have the plan and then just be able to do it myself be able to knock it out myself one because I push myself just like with little rest time and that can be detrimental but it's also like I mean I'm trying to better myself I'm trying to one speed up the workout because it's like the faster I get through this the faster I get to go home and like sleep or do whatever you know my stupid ass is gonna do (laughs) But also, but also, but also it makes you better, man. Like that, like that in itself is an endurance workout. So, you know, that's one more time I don't have to go on a run, you know, or one more time. It's it's, it's extra pushing. So I, I'm a little, have a little bit of both of you and me. I, I love my plan. I, I definitely have a plan on, um, uh, every time I go into the workout, but I also like having someone there with me. And that is because my plan is developed around circuits. So while I'm doing one circuit, my buddy's doing another, or while I'm doing one exercise in the circuit, my buddy's doing another exercise. And if you're too slow, you're going to get caught. And then uh, once you get caught, you got to make up ground. And that's what really sucks. So there's a pace involved with the workouts. There's a, and there's also a plan involved with the workouts. And uh, I found that that helps me push myself. I get that um, cardiovascular exercise because I mean, I take, I do 12 different lifts a day and I get it done within 50 minutes. And I also feel like I'm getting stronger because we're, we're exercise or we're focusing on the main big lifts as well as hitting all those accessories needed as well. 
See, I like, so I can respect those types of workouts and, and that pace and, and wanting to, to do the cardio with strength training. I'm at a point right now where I do no cardio whatsoever and I'm hitting strength training sh- much harder than I ever have. And I think that's why I love it because I've never been much of a cardio guy. Uh, I mean, I'm a believer in that you can do something long enough to adapt to it and have it become part of your life. But I just, at 25 as a male, there's something, a, a amount of a testosterone, a rage, an edge, something that gets developed when you're in that strength training mode of just, I'm going to be putting up some massive weight and just putting up a couple sets and just getting after it. Like, I don't know what it is about that, but it just makes me feel like I'm releasing a lot of stress and, and tension for one, but just that just, I don't know if it's a high testosterone feel or more instinctual with our, our primalness. But anyway, that's something that I've just been hitting really hard ever since, uh, ever since we've got out. So yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing as you when I first, like f- first graduated from college. Uh, so a little background on me, I tore my um, ulnar collateral ligament in my elbow twice uh, my senior year. So I, um, whenever I worked out, it was basically me um, doing these little weights and making sure I didn't tear it again. It's basically my workout all senior year. What's ulnar collateral? Uh, that would be your UCL. It's the, um, the muscle that is needed to, in your elbow to throw a baseball. Thank you. Our listeners appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I I basically came out of college weaker than I ever had been before going in. I should say weaker than I ever had been before in college. So I took that first, I want to say, six, seven months just to put up pure weight, get stronger. And um, I mean, it really worked for me. It it definitely felt good not having to rush myself through, not uh, not getting that extra extra cardio in there. But I'm at a point now where I've I've bulked up enough to where I think I should probably start pushing myself more towards the, the cardiovascular high intensity workouts in contrast to, um, the, the high weight, high, um, high volume, basically. You know, and, and both of the things that you guys are talking about right now is exactly what Meg J talks about in this last third of the defining decade. And it's a perfect example of why your thirties truly are not, you know, the, the new 20, because there is not a better time you, like, I, you know, I'll hear every success story that you want to tell me, um, you know, about people 30 plus getting in the best shape of their life, whatever. It takes so much more work, though. You know, we talk about adult development and, and you know, how important your 20s are. You are laying the foundation for the rest of your, of your life, not only as a professional, not only as an individual, but also like the, the lifestyle and your personal health moving forward, you know, the rest of your life. If you build good habits, and, I'm, and right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, and so I'm learning a lot about this, how these habits are formed, but through reading that, you know, my eyes have been opened to, there is no better time than your 20s when you're at your athletic peak. I think maybe that age is like 25, 26, you know, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, 27, 28, I don't know. Unless you're LeBron, um, then it's like 18 to 40. And he's a physical anomaly. But... Right now, dude, it's so transformative. And, you know, with adult development, that goes on in your brain. And we're going to touch on the brain here very shortly, but your body as well. You, there is no better time to grow muscle, to become, just, just gain strength, flexibility, endurance, whatever sort of physical goal you personally have. There is no better time to do it than your 20s. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it post 
you know, post-20s, you know, 30-plus, it's just going to take a lot more effort. It's going to take a lot more dedication. Um, and it's, you know, th- without sugarcoating, it's going to be harder. But it's definitely doable. I am just saying, and I think this is exactly what Dr. Meg J was saying, in your 20s, when you're coming out of college, when you're coming out of high school, you're at your athletic peak, this is the time to really build that foundation of the lifestyle health-wise you want to have moving forward. So before we, before we transition over, can you um, kind of speak on the, the power of forming habits in, in regards to the weight room? Yeah. And, and I think Nick can touch on this too. And, um, but you know, at least for me, you know, forming habits in the weight room really starts even before you get there, having really good energy and, and having a positive mindset about the weight room. If you have a negative connotation towards a weight room or towards a gym, that is like the, the deal breaker. And even getting there, if you, if you have negative thoughts or it's a chore for you, you're never going to go. Because it's one thing you really don't look forward to doing. It's something on your schedule that you'll end up just pushing to the side, right? It's a promise you'll never keep to yourself. So I think, you know, it starts even before you get there. And and the mindset you have about the gym, the mindset you have going into the gym, think of it as, like, you're growing yourself. You know, people love to learn. People love to read. People love to, to watch shows, gain information about sports, about movies, about their favorite celebrity. That's literally what you're doing for your body. Uh, you know, Ed Milet talks about how when he's working out, pain for him is evidence that he is growing. His muscles are growing. Every time you, you do a curl or you do a squat and it hurts, that is your body like thanking you and telling you I'm growing. And so, you know, the habit, get in the habit of having a positive mindset going to the gym or have a positive connotation of what the gym is, what it represents, what it means. And also when you get there, get in a routine because that is the best way to get in and get out and eliminate that feeling of a chore or eliminate being there too long to where you really aren't getting anything done. You know, I think both, I think all three of us know people who they're the chit chat person in the weight room, whether it's a guy or a girl, or, you know, you go to the gym and you see people that it's like, okay, you've been on the squat rack for like 10 minutes and you've done one set. Like, come on, let's speed it up. Cause I want to use it. I want to get stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you there. No, you're good. I like I you know, I just think it's I think it's super important um to yeah, like Jeremy said, build those build those habits because then it makes it feel less like work and it's it just simply becomes a thoughtless, mindless, um positive impact onto your life. And I think once you build those habits, give it a little time. Like that the first two weeks of like building a habit is gonna be the hardest. But I think after those first two weeks, you'll you'll come to enjoy it, and it'll be it'll come to be something you really enjoy doing every day. Right. What do they say about forming the habit? Is it is it twenty? It takes twenty days to form a habit. Nick, do you know that by chance? So I'm gonna answer that in two ways. Um, so I would say generalized knowledge is probably right around twenty to twenty two days. However, I have read some very, very science-backed articles that are now saying that it takes a full 66 days. And now that is from start the first day to I don't even think that I'm doing it anymore. That is how installed it is over that 66 days. That's just a little deeper understanding, but yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, This so with habits is comfortability. So 
anytime you do something new, you're going to be uncomfortable. The entire thing is uncomfortable. When me and Cole started making sales calls, it was uncomfortable. Jeremy, first time you started doing some of the software stuff, it's, it's uncomfortable. But when you continue to do it day after day after day, and I'm not saying you need to work out every day, that starts to become the new normal. And so how that pertains here is when you go in for that first mile or when you go in for that first new workout that you're going to try, it's going to feel awkward. There's probably going to be a lot of pain afterwards as well because you're not used to that routine. This is new. It's uncomfortable. But give yourself a little bit of time. Just like you said, Jeremy, you got to give yourself some time to get used to it because that one mile that you do on day one and then you do that same mile on day 30, you feel much more relaxed because you've been doing that on a day in and day out and it becomes consistent. So. And it, and it, one thing too, you know, that, that you want to caution people, especially if they're just starting to go to a gym or they're just really finding a weight room or they're just starting to work out is don't come out of the gate guns a blazing. You know, I know myself personally, I'm one that if, you know, especially like after this, this is a perfect example. When we come out of this quarantine after this, you know, gym hiatus of not being able to work out in public or whatever, you have to do everything on your own. When I get back into a gym, it's going to be so hard for me not to just want to get in the gym throw on 225 and just absolutely rep it out. So I feel something because I know the next day I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be able to get out of bed. I'm going to be so sore. My body is going to hate me and it's going to take it. It's going to take like 10 days for me to recover. And then 10 days rolls around. I haven't worked out in 10 days. I feel like crap. I'm not getting anything accomplished. So I think these guys can, can probably vouch for me because I look like a, a wounded deer in the weight room sometimes. Please use caution when like doing like the heavy stuff. So like squatting, make sure you know how to squat when you bench, or I should say when you bench heavy, make sure you know what you're doing or else you're going to, you're going to be a very immobile person who looks like a, like a wounded gazelle trying to squat and you'll end up looking like me when you squat. Yeah. And also going back to a little bit of being unfamiliar. So if you never bench before and you come in and you do a lot of weight you get blown up and then all of a sudden you're discouraged as if you cannot know like no longer do that lift because you now know that's too much it hurts too bad it's too uncomfortable for that actually to occur again and i i only say that because this is where i think there's such a fall off come january 2nd or 30th or february 1st is i think just if we had more of an idea of how to ramp up and look long-term. So your New Year's resolution is for how long? A year. A year, right? So why are we trying to accomplish 11 months in one? Right. You know, we have to be much kinder to ourselves when we do these things because they are difficult. Let's not forget, it's not like it's a cakewalk. Like, eating broccoli and chicken breast, like, it isn't the most amazing thing in the world, <laughs> right? Like, it's not, that's not great food. I mean, it is great for you, but... Like it does take a little bit of sacrifice, but I also think at the end game, if you give yourself a chance, I think the end result is, man, it's, it's powerful when you're actually in shape and, and you're sharp. So you, I think you bring up a, a very good point about on-ramping. And I don't think a lot of people have enough knowledge about how important on-ramping is to getting your body primed and ready to work out. And it's something I am very accustomed to because when you're pitching, you take some time off. And when you take that time off, the, the muscles in your shoulder begin to uh, atrophy, um, get weaker. And so if you go out and you try to go blow 85, 90 miles per hour your first day back, uh, you're going you're gonna to end up hurting yourself. 
So we have to go through this very vigorous four-week on-ramp uh, program just to get ourselves able to throw on a pitching mound again. And I think that's something that I think we should all be teaching each other about in the when we are going to lift weights. Because like you said, if you go out and you bench, max bench your first day, you're going you're gonna to come back the next day, you're going to feel like complete shit. And you're not going to want to do that again. And I've seen many, many, many people do that with the, the bench and the squat. And they, they give up because they're just discouraged and they think it's going to happen every time. Yeah, just to hit on that, I've never understood, like, I mean, I understand the concept, like, you want to set a benchmark, but maxing out, like, to begin with in a, a weight room is so pointless to me. It's, it's, all it does is discourage because, like, you want a certain number and your body is simply not capable of it. So, yeah, dude, like, I've never understood it. I understand you want a benchmark, but go through, like, 10 weeks before you really max out. I, I guess... Yeah, to me, that's never made sense. And, um, you know, our, our weight program at times was great and at times it was terrible, to be frank with you guys, at least in my eyes. Um, yeah. But talk about, you know, we're talking about on-ramping and we're talking about, you know, give your body time because it is a machine and you can't just, you can't throw a ton of something into a machine and expect it to work seamlessly. It needs time to process. I want to switch gears really fast to, we need to do the exact same thing, especially especially right now in the defining decade, our 20s, of on-ramping our brains to last over the duration of our professional career. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to hold that. I'm going to just mention this in really quick because I think it's important. And then I'm going to come right back to you, okay? So the last thing to wrap that up, guys, you can work as hard as you want in the gym, but you have to take care of your body. You have to sleep. You have to stretch. You have to eat healthy food. You can only go in and max out or, or crush a workout so much. You have to also be very good on the flip side in the recovery phases as well. So recover just as hard or harder than what you do when you normally work out. But anyway, uh, right up to speed here. Yeah, man. Like think how much we've just simply grown mentally by exercising our brain. Like it's it's so crazy. I will never forget. You know, my second day working out for the working out in Sacramento. The first day, you know, is a is a standard first day at any job. Like you're literally you're getting paperwork done. You're just getting to meet people. You're walking around. You get a tour of the place. Uh, it's very very just like it's an easy day. It kind of flies by too because everything's new. Everything's fresh. That second day though, when they throw you in and it's like you know you're starting training, you start making calls, whatever you know whatever it is your profession you're you're doing. That second day, dude. I walked out of work and I, I did go get a workout. So kudos to me for that. But my brain, I will never forget, was so exhausted from it. And I only made, I think, maybe I, I did training and then I got on the phones and made maybe 30 calls. I was intaking so much information. I was trying to spew out that information that I was, I was receiving, you know, um, just like in mock mock sales pitches and um, basically simply just like trying to regurgitate facts of what I was learning. And it was so mentally taxing. And by the end of, um, you know, basically, I mean, really up until this point, you know, my brain now does, I mean, I'm not even exhausted after I hit a hundred. It's like, let's keep going. Now, obviously that's built, right. And that's built over the course of four months. But man, dude, it's amazing to see like even just what the brain can do when you give it proper time to grow, you give it rest, you allow it to, to you exercise your brain, you really put it to the test and see what it can do. 
Yeah, and I want to I want to blow this up a little bit because I think it's a great great topic. It's a great topic. How often do we hit that phase? We get to a certain point, things start getting really comfortable, and then all of a sudden we're just coasting. Yep. Back. And that's a natural thing for us to do. We want that. We don't want to be on that high alert state all the time. We wouldn't be able to survive. Yeah, <laughs> quite <dude>. frankly. <laughs> so it makes sense. But at the same time, I, I think or I want to interject that because we are in that phase of our brains, yes, we get flooded by a lot of these things. And, and your specific example, Cole, was starting a new job. That's a lot to take in. However, I think it if, if we do that more and more consistently, I think we'll be shocked by how much we actually can pick up within this time period. Because if the, the faster we get acclimated to professional life, the faster we can figure out what we want to do and how to strategize and how to win. Right. Well, and we've all heard the term old dogs don't learn new tricks, right? Or whatever that saying is. And it's like, you got it. You know, in, at, at 20 years old, I mean, you're still, you're a young, young professional, right? Like you are, like young. you are, you are bright eyed, you are bushy tailed, man. And your brain, you know, like we were talking about right before you come on, we came on air, your brain is so malleable and it's, it is, it is so ready and it is so primed to soak up just loads of information loads and loads of information that we can't even comprehend that we are able to to pick up on and and regurgitate and then um you know spew out as fact so it, it's it's really it's really cool to understand this time period we're in and when you start applying and you start putting your brain to the test of learning as much information as you can, really exhausting your brain. It's amazing to see what kind of things can happen. Yeah. And so why do we need to do that? That's a question I'm going to ask to you just to kind of see what your initial reaction would be. So why would we need to do that? I think one, because, well, and, and Dr. Meg Jay talks about it is, you know, the first 10 years of your career really determine a, how much money you're going to make, right? So why not in those first 10 years, really? And I know 10 years sounds a lot. It sounds, you know, it's a decade. It's the defining decade. But those first 10 years, those are going to determine how much money you make, how much success you have, and ultimately like the ceiling you have as a professional. So why not really like stretch that, exhaust it? And, and obviously, you know, like we've said, get rest, feed your body the right food, exercise, get a release from work. But when you're there, those eight hours, of the day, exhaust your brain and just see what happens over the course of a week, over the course of a month, over the course of six months and a year. And then ultimately, obviously 10 years, that defining decade we talk about. Man, if you, uh, if you go in and you uh, exhaust your brain for those eight hours a day, people are definitely going to notice. And you're, you're definitely going to be one of those first people in line for a promotion, a new job, or um, just better benefits, I guess. The way I see, uh, see myself in the workplace is I want to be the best person there. And obviously, I, there's people that have been doing this 20 years in my, in my job that I work with. I'm not going to beat them, but I, I see myself as I want to be the best and I want to get to that place sometime soon. And think about how cool and how valuable, you know, you, Jeremy, specifically, just, you know, since we're on you. Think about how valuable you are going to be to, you know, whether it's sports radar or whether it's what another company, if you have a firm grasp of what they do, how they do it, why they do what they do, that whole operation, if you have a really great grasp and understanding of that, 
even at just even just three years into your career, um, think about how valuable that is to then throw more responsibility on your plate when your brain is still at such a malleable and and willing to learn and able to learn state. Absolutely, and I think I've kind of tried to demonstrate that I have more value than what I've been bringing to the table. And I think it's it's starting to pay off for me because I was um, before before we went on um, quarantine, I got to work on a, a really big project with some of the some of the guys higher up, and I, I don't really know how much uh, I can go in and explain it, but it was basically a very very large baseball um, project, and I uh, I was contacted many times on help on like different statistics, how things are calculated, and I was able to really show that extra knowledge that I pro I wasn't able to show um, just answering the general questions through uh, that larger project. Yeah. And I think that that's a pill we need to swallow in some capacity. And that's hard. It's hard to do because we just went through four years of high school where we worked our way up to the top, four years of college where we worked our way up to the top. And then all of a sudden, we get shoved right back down that totem pole to you are the bottom of the barrel. That's just how life works. Fair enough. However, that's where you have to take that pill of humility and say, I have two options here. I can either self-loathe and continue to be upset that I'm at the bottom, or I can just be an incredible learner. I can learn everything from mentors. I can soak up information at the highest level possible and just work. Because once we accept that as a reality, now we can start to be on the the proactive attack game. So the way I kind of like to look at it is is a mountain. When you're climbing the mountain, do you ever turn around and look how far you have gotten in the first, maybe first 30 minutes, first hour, first day maybe? No, you, you don't turn around and, and look at your accomplishments until you've reached the top. And I think that's, that's something you can, you can apply to your professional life where don't, start, don't stop pushing until you're, you're at the top. And, and then maybe that's the time you can look back and reflect. But then once you get to the top, get, get to that peak, there's going to be another peak that you can, you can go conquer right away. Ooh, baby, we're heating up here. Hey, we are just wrapping up, guys. Uh, we're getting to that last point. But boy, this, this is getting a little bit, uh, little bit fiery. But yeah, it's, it's hard to because we've now entered another time or a phase, and I say this on the complete end of the spectrum of not knowing what I want to do with my life too. Now we do see people who are succeeding in that long-term or extra college path, a doctor, lawyer, et cetera, and then we kind of see this little bit of separation and or some of those folks are on and ready and doing their big things because they know their path, and then there's some that have to kind of figure it out, and there's no right or wrong to either of those. Well, one thing too between, you know, that that all all successful people, you know, I think will tell you that have in common is they never stop learning. You know, in high school, like you said, you spend four years working your way up to senior status, right? And then it's back down to the 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 low man on the totem pole of a freshman in college. You work your four ways up to to senior to seniority, and it's you're thrust out into the world where it's not another four years and you're at the top, right? It's now a lifetime of work, a lifetime of learning. And a lifetime of forming good habits to ultimately get to where you want to be pay-wise, you know, the the lifestyle that you want to have, um, and, and the, you know, ultimately the decisions you make and the the 
the conscious decision to, am I going to continue to keep learning? Am I going to continue to try and fill my brain with as much information as I can, not just in your defining decade, your 20s, post that, um, is ultimately, you know, what Meg Jay talks about in this book about how these 10 years are so, so critical to where you're going to be for the rest of your life and, and how you're going to set that up. Oh man, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, it's been kind of a fun journey talking about this book. You know, it, it seems a, a quite a while ago that we started in, maybe not to you guys so much as us, but uh, one, of, one of the really good books out there, and, and I would highly recommend it just being a reader myself. I, I do think it was very timely to read it now, but if there's one thing, man, you got to get a grip here in the early 20, early to mid 20s because it is going to be so beneficial because then you begin to stack your years on themselves. So once you have that pursuit figured out or, or once you have um, that thing that you want to do, that passion, then things start leveling up because you're starting to gain more experience and more exposure in the same space, whereas your competition may or may not be at that, that same level. And you're consistently just leveling up and leveling up within the same space. Um, now, that's a choice, though. At the same time, that is a choice. You have to choose to do all of the stuff we're talking about. We are going to make those choices because we find that valuable. But just the awareness, I would say, probably is my biggest takeaway from this thing, is the awareness of conscious of, of what you're doing. And when you choose to put into practice that continuous, that continuous learning, that continuous question asking, always ask questions, because that feeds into your brain, it feeds to you learning, and it also shows other people that you're interested that you want to know more and, and that gets them excited just as much as it excites you. But when you combine that with the amount of job and professional experience and then life experience that you gain when you get older, obviously, you know, old people are wise, right? Like that's like the stereotype, you know, when you, when you gain wis when you combine wisdom with learning, like that's a, that's a very, very powerful combo uh, that, that really can't in the professional world be stopped. I mean, that doesn't allow you as a professional to have a ceiling. It literally eliminates any ceiling to for you to get to, you know, the sky is essentially the limit at that point. And that's simply a conscious decision that you have to make. And I'm going to throw in, so to your point on wisdom learning, I'm going to throw in that experience too. And I'm sure you meant that as well with some of these is, is that experience. Once we experience enough things, everything becomes normal. And then once normal becomes your actual routine, then as my boss says, haymaking season. <laughs> that, he's, a, he's a farm boy, so you got to respect it. And I, I love him. He works his butt off and he deserves it, but uh, just haymaking season. But uh, yeah, man. So I, to, to ask this though, Cole, I do want to throw this at you. Um, what, what's some of your, maybe your top two of this, just because we're wrapping it up, we're completing all the, all the good sections. I just want them to, to kind of get some overall takeaways. Yeah. So, you know, for me, the, the biggest takeaway, and obviously this book was life-changing for me, you know, for anybody listening, this book was truly, truly life-changing for me. It, it scared me to the point of like, holy shit, dude, you got to get your life figured out. And I was so, I was relieved when I was reading this and, and Dr. Meg J was telling stories of 25 and 26 year olds you know, with 30 on the horizon, and I was reading this as a 21, 22 year old. And so for me, that was super, it was relieving, but it was also scary because it's like, holy shit, I don't want to fail. And it's kind of scary to think that, you know, me reading it as, you know, a 22 year old, where could I go with this? How far can I take this? And it's scary, but it's also exciting. 
because I know that it, it leads to ultimately unlimited potential. And that's something that I, I really have prided myself on. So, you know, this was life-changing. And, and the fact that, you know, talking, up, talking about ultimately, I mean, something that I'm, I'm super inexperienced on, we talked about it last time on the podcast, was just like, like love, relationships. That's something that I really had to learn about. And I had to take a deep, deep look at, uh, you know, internally and, and decide ultimately, you know, is this something you're actively going to work on in your 20s so that, you know, if it happens during your 20s or if it happens later, you know, that's not up to you. That's a decision that, you know, is ultimately made between two people and, and ultimately God. But actively working towards that and active, actively, you know, frankly, just claim your 20s. It's the most simple and transformative thing you can do for your life. Claim them and own them. Yes, like I am a 23-year-old. Like I am so proud of that. I don't care if some 45-year-old snob, you know, that I'm in a meeting with <laughs> looks at me as if I have no idea what I'm talking about or looks down on me, whatever. Like I, do, I don't give a shit because I know where I'm going. I know right. because of the fact that I'm so willing to learn I know that with the, the lifestyle that I'm already setting myself up for, it's going gonna, it's gonna to allow me to do whatever I want. And that it's, it's so empowering when you have that oh shit moment um, that it is something that people can never take away from you. And that is, that it, it's so freeing and it is so, like I said, empowering to know that and, and truly believe in that. Yeah, man. And you can tell, obviously, guys, Cole has a lot of emotion behind that because this book did do that for him. Again, we had said that some books will, will touch us or some information will touch us in a certain way in which we will be like, oh my gosh, I just, for some reason, the timing of me reading this is just what opens the mind to this new perspective, this new reality, this new energy. And this is one of many reasons why we love reading. Uh, in particular, but yeah, this was a super fun one to uh, to start it off with, man. The defining decade because we're in it, uh, you know, as ourselves. And you know, lastly, it's an accountability, right? We're talking about it, Dude. we're reading it. You know, you guys get to decide when we're old how it turned out. <laughs> it, it's it is it's super accountable. And dude, this has been fun because uh, because of how how empowering this one was. And and I mean, simply, dude, all the good content that we can pull out of this. I mean. There's going to be some great books that we read down the road, and there's going to be some great content we bring to this podcast. Um, and obviously, you know, you guys can go ahead and follow that on Instagram, on Twitter, um, at State Street Pod. You can follow me at Cole Szynski. Um, I'll let the other guys plug their social medias, but follow us on that. Message us on that. If there's something like I like, you know, like we we like we talk about, we have all kinds of content ideas. But if there's something you guys as listeners are wanting to hear. Uh, moron, or you guys are just simply wanting to hear our perspective. Maybe it's just simply a question that you're wondering, or a question that a friend has. DM one of us. DM the 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 podcast uh, social media. We'll bring it up. Like we'll shout you out if you don't want to be shouted out. We'll simply we'll subtly bring it up um, and and give you a good conversation and ultimately give you an answer to whatever question it is, or or you know some hopefully some good entertaining discussion on whatever topic you want to hear. Yeah, Jared, do you want to go ahead and give out your social media? Yeah, so um, like I said earlier, the, the Twitter is at G, capital J, capital M, A-S-C-H-I-N-O underscore 56. And on Instagram, it is just J-M-A-S-C-H-I-N-O 56. 
If you're especially interested in baseball analytics or whatever I do, I would suggest following my Twitter. That's basically all I have on there. Instagram is more of my personal life, so if you want to get to know me on a personal level, feel free to send me a request on Instagram. I may just end up opening my Instagram to public anyways. So yeah, but if you if you enjoyed the podcast also, please uh please make sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Music. And if you think we did a five star job, please give us five stars. That helps us out tremendously. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey guys, we appreciate you putting your cruise on here this afternoon and drifting off in the sunset and having a conversation with us. Uh last thing before you exit off though is we got our first guests coming on here. What about that? Dude, Hell so yeah, yeah, we we secured our first guest uh a week from today actually. Um I don't know, should I announce it you guys? I think you should. Nick? Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be best. So, our former teammate um and and you know, longtime friend of myself, longtime friend of you guys, avid Chicago Bear fan. Um, Chicago Bear employee, um, super good baseball player, you know, super devout Christian, awesome all around dude. Dom Hilsheim is going to join us on the podcast. Woo! First time guest. Uh, we're super excited about it. I know Dom's got a lot to talk about. It'll be exciting to have him on. It'll be exciting to, to pick his brain, ask him a lot of questions. Um, and ultimately, maybe hear, maybe hear his thoughts on the defining decade or hear what kind of things he's doing to to claim his 20s and set his his life up for success throughout his professional career and and the rest of his life. Heck yeah, man. He's he's a great he's a great dude. A lot of energy and the reason we like Dom not to give too far uh much or too much on him. He's uh as you guys will hear, he's a genuine guy. Probably the number one thing is he's he's a real genuine guy. Um so we love we love hanging out, but Uh, As always, guys, next time you're in the area, do not be afraid to turn on State Street. Uh, We appreciate it and peace.